0: John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life in John 15 verse 12 through 17 this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do that do what I command you no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from the Father, my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will
1: love one another. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I see a wave of the hand? It's good to see
0: all of you here this morning, this first Sunday of February, 2021. And as we continue our study of theology and our study of who God is, who the Trinity is, eventually who we are as human beings and how God has secured salvation and how we must therefore live the life that he has given us. I pray that the Lord will be blessing your heart in all things, that you would fall in love with our Christ even more, that you would behold the beauty of Jesus and there would be a, a rise in your heartbeat, that there would be a, a desire to, to know him and to follow him, and yes, to worship him. We learn these things about God, not simply to know things about God, but we learn these things about God so that our hearts may be moved, our feet may be moved, the words that we speak may be honoring to him, loving to one another as well. So I do pray that as we continue to study God's word together, the Lord will bless all of you this morning. We continue our look at Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ. And today we are going to look over what theologians call the humiliation of Jesus. Now, when you think of that word humiliation, most of us think about emotion, about feeling ashamed, of feeling as if we want to run and hide and and cover ourselves. Humiliation, we picture people pointing their fingers at us and laughing at us. And we picture humiliation as this very high-charged emotional state that people fall into. But humiliation here in this context is a little bit different. When we talk about the humiliation of Jesus, we are actually talking about his demotion. The fact that he has been relegated or placed down from the heavens to living here amongst us. That Jesus, who used to be simply spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, together, well, he became human like you and like me. This is his humiliation. This is a change of rank or change of a state, the change of being, or sorry, a change of state for Jesus himself. Now, last week, we learned about the hypostatic union, that Jesus is 100% God, 100% human in that one person of Jesus himself, a profound mystery to us all. And that when Jesus humiliated himself, he was still fully divine and still fully human, but he simply decided to cover his divine attributes, or at least some of them. He decided to do that in order to live a human life and to experience all of humanity for you and for me. This is what we call the humiliation of Jesus that he humbled himself, becoming a human being, becoming a man, becoming like one of us, that he may live the life, well, that you and I are experiencing today. This is one of the most profound mysteries about God himself. How could Jesus, the Son of God, live in this world with us today, being fully God and fully divine? And as we learned last week, we see many religions and many people who will deny the fact that God or Jesus himself was fully divine. In the Islam religion, they simply believe that Jesus was another prophet, not a divine being. What a powerful prophet. For how can a divine being become flesh? The Jehovah Witnesses do not believe that Jesus was a divine being. They believe that Jesus was simply the first of all creation, but not divine, but special because he was first. But he simply lived amongst us, just like you and me. And those who espouse the more liberal theology in our world today have no use of a divine Jesus. Yes, perhaps he had a divine love,
1: something beyond this world, but his nature being that of God, no way. But we know that scripture teaches both, that Jesus is fully divine and fully human. And as he covered up those divine attributes, he lived amongst us.
0: I want us to meditate and think about what this humiliation consisted of and how much to what degree Jesus loved us. Jesus himself was born as a baby, Jesus himself grew up just like you and me. Jesus himself had to grow and learn about life around him. Jesus himself had to learn the Torah or to learn his Jewish heritage. Jesus, for the first many years of his life, learned the skills of carpentry. And even more than that, during this time of doing very simple things, very sort of regular, ordinary people things, Jesus experienced the same type of life and moral conundrums that you and I experienced as well. Scripture teaches us that Jesus was tempted in every way but yet was without sin. You can think of Jesus as he was growing up, of the conversations he must have had with fellow friends or fellow people in his family. You can think of ways that he himself was probably sinned against, of ways that he was wronged, and yet, Jesus, in his infinite patience, did not retaliate. But Jesus, in his infinite patience, did what was right in God's eyes. We see Jesus as this perfect human being who was tempted to use all of his facilities as the divine being, but put them aside that he may obey the Lord and that he may fulfill all righteousness
1: by obeying every single law perfectly. Now, when I think about him growing up and I think about him at the temple
0: and his parents leaving him and realizing that his, their son, Jesus, was nowhere to be found, that then returning and they find Jesus at their fathers at the temple, and Jesus says to his parents, "Don't you know that I would be at my father's house?" When I think about all these things that Jesus did for uh, Jesus did to worry his parents, and I think of all the the strife there must have been in their family, yet Jesus himself did not assert his divine being, did
1: not assert his divine knowledge, and did not assert his divine power of how much restraint and love he must have had. Just think of it. Imagine when you were a teenager and some kid bullied you. Imagine if you were a teenager and someone wronged you.
0: How much sin we would most of us already have in thinking of ways to exact our revenge.
1: But imagine if we had the power of Jesus to do so. I dare say many of us would have fallen many of us would have abused the power that we had. I was
0: scrolling through some social media, and one of the the questions that was out there was something like this. If you were part of the MC universe,
1: and you had the infinity gauntlet, would you be good or would you be evil? And as I thought about that, and as I saw people answering, the theological or correct answer would be, all of us would be evil. That
0: all of us would abuse the power that we would have been given.
1: Such is the human heart. But Jesus himself in his early life, was without sin. Part of the humiliation of Christ. From his early years, we go into his
0: years of ministry. And we see that Jesus' ministry began when he was thrust into the desert, being tempted by Satan in every way. And one of Satan's temptations to him was, use your power. Throw yourself off this mountaintop. Call your angels to save you.
1: In other words, no longer live as a human being.
0: Uncover
1: your deity and let the world see that you are God himself. And in doing so, Satan said, I will give you all of this. And yet
0: Jesus, in his
1: humiliation,
0: continued to cover his deity, to say no to using his divine powers
1: in order to maintain the humanity that he was called to live. And we could go on to look at Jesus's life,
0: the way that Jesus had nowhere to lay his head to sleep. The fact that Jesus, went, Jesus was hungry and Jesus was thirsty. The fact that Jesus did not know when someone touched his cloak. The fact that Jesus lived his life
1: not knowing what's going to happen next step to the next step the fact that he knew that someone would betray him and the thoughts of despair and the thoughts of betrayal flowing in his heart. All of these things
0: showed the nature of Jesus himself as being fully human like you and I. And that Jesus, out of his
1: love for you and me, hid his divinity that he may live that perfect life for you and me. For you see, if Jesus at any point in time would
0: have revealed his divinity and said, Enough of my suffering enough of me being sinned against, enough of me being wrong, enough
1: of this injustice to me, then all of us would have been lost. For no way could Jesus secure the righteousness of living a perfect human life. No way
0: could have secured that righteousness, that he could bestow it or give it to us by faith. But Jesus' greatest humiliation came upon the cross. On that cross where he died, when he was buried and for three days was separated from the Lord, That humiliation of knowing that he has taken on the full brunt of humanity's unrighteousness, of humanity's sinfulness, of your sinfulness, of your unrighteousness. That it wasn't simply that he died at that time that he took everything away, but also that he gained our righteousness by doing everything right
1: that you and I didn't do since the birth, since his birth. The temptations he had when he was a toddler, a teenager,
0: a young man, where you and I fell, he obeyed the law.
1: The temptations in ministry
0: that he had, where you and I would have inserted our
1: righteous anger Jesus withheld. And as we look back at our own lives and see
0: and count as much as we can, all the times that we have wronged God and and wronged our neighbors and wronged our family, we look back and say, that deserves nothing about death. Jesus can look back and say, I did everything correct. Listen, let's switch places. My righteousness I give to you. You're unrighteous, you give to me. You go to heaven by faith. Me, I will go to the cross and pay the penalty that you should have paid because of my love for you. This consists of the humiliation of Jesus and his love for you and me. But there's something even grander or more wonderful of of understanding the the humiliation and the, the humiliation or the suffering of Jesus. And that is we have this nuanced understanding or biblical understanding of suffering and meaning.
1: We understand that suffering and injustice is wrong. We
0: know that at every point where Jesus was wronged in his life, if we were the observer and looking at that we would rightfully say Jesus they deserve punishment you don't need to do this even if it means my suffering and my death Jesus you are righteous you don't need to suffer like this we would be like one of the, the one of the two thieves at the cross who said to Jesus who said to the other thief, listen, he's done nothing wrong. You and I, we deserve to be crucified. Jesus, he's done nothing wrong. So when we see injustice and unrighteousness, it is right for us to say, this is not right in the universe. It is right for us to lament. It is right for us to want, want justice to be done. And we see that in Jesus himself. Again, if we were an observer and we're reading scripture and we know who Jesus is as the Son of God, we would look at every page and we would say, Jesus, why aren't you doing anything yet? Why aren't you asserting your rights? Why aren't
1: you calling your legion your army of angels. And so we see Jesus. We see the most injustice ever done to any being in all of history. And it is right to say what happened to Jesus was unjust. But we also know something more profound about suffering and more profound about dying. It's that this suffering, this humiliation, that there is meaning behind it as well. We did not know it yet, but we know it now that Jesus had to do this in order to pay the price to secure our salvation. We know that Jesus had to die, even though it was the most unjust thing, that we may have life. And so if we know
0: that the greatest injustice in this world was Jesus dying, Jesus being killed by humanity, and that if in that greatest injustice there is meaning behind it, that Jesus would be raised from the dead, that salvation would be secured for you and me, this also means that suffering in this world has meaning to it as well. Suffering that you and I suffer through. Romans chapter 8 teaches us, Listen, in order for us to, to understand
1: the inheritance that we have, we must suffer like Jesus. There is meaning to the difficulties that we go through for Christ and his kingdom.
0: Now, I will say this. There are times where Jesus
1: will show you or God will show you the exact meaning of your suffering. He will reveal that to you. And you'll be able to put one and one together. And you'll be say, thank you,
0: Lord, for revealing to me why I had to go through what I did in my
1: life to get to where I am. We see that in the story of Joseph.
0: Someone who was sold by his own brother to the, to the Egyptians
1: lived his entire life
0: as an Egyptian. But he knew that it, but he was, was revealed to him in the end that the reason why he was sold to the Egyptians, the reason why this suffering, the reason why this, his identity was sort of stripped away from him,
1: was to save many through the famine. Perhaps God will reveal that to you. However, there are some times that he doesn't show you the
0: immediate purpose of suffering. And there will be times that we will not understand fully the suffering that we go through
1: today. But there's one thing that God promises us, that whatever suffering that we go through, whatever suffering that we go through, that the meaning in the end will always be God's glory. Let me say that again. The meaning of suffering will always be for God's glory. You might ask, well, how does that help me? How does that help me? Well, if God's glory is your joy, that whatever suffering we may go through, if we know in the end God's glory will be magnified, we can endure. For we know that his presence and his love for us is assured.
0: I know many, many Atlanta sports fans who would give their right arm for a Super Super Bowl win. I know many, many Atlanta sports fans who would give up something to see the Braves win the World Series. They would suffer, even if they themselves get
1: nothing out of it, to see their team win. How much more we as God's people that we will see God's name magnified? Lastly,
0: Jesus' humiliation, Jesus' suffering, all that he did for us was out of love, not out of duty, but out of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall perish and have eternal life. All that he suffered for, he doesn't look at you and say, see what I did for you? All right, payback time, let's go. I did this all for you. I sacrificed all this for you. Now it's your turn.
1: You know.
0: Perhaps your parents were like that.
1: (laughs) But God did all of this out of love for you. Not to show his grandeur for the sake of showing his grandeur, but to draw you near to him. And then Jesus asked you to do the same thing. Because I have loved you. Love one another. Love one another. Die for one another as I die for you. Don't fall into temptation. But pray that you will do what is right in my eyes.
0: Walk with your brothers and sisters, no matter how difficult it may be.
1: Lay down your life for each other. Show that you are children, my children. Show that the kingdom
0: means more to you than anything else. Show that the unity of the church,
1: the body of Christ, is worth losing sleep over. Is worth praying over. Is worth agonizing over. And it's worth pursuing. Humble yourself as I have humbled myself for you. Brothers and
0: sisters, how great is the love that Jesus has given to us that we should be called sons or children of God. That is who you
1: are. Live like Christ has lived for us that we may see his glory in our midst. Let's pray.
0: Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all things. We thank you, especially Jesus, that in your temptations, Lord God, to to reveal your divine self, Lord God, to end this this mission to save us, that you said no, that you suffered, that you were patient, that you knew that in the
1: end, Lord God, that glory awaited you in obeying your Father. Lord, we see the injustice in all
0: of it, and yet we are thankful. For we know that in that injustice that we have garnered salvation. We thank you that you did this out of love, not obligation, but out of pure love and pure
1: joy. And so, Lord, help us to do the same, to let you be our model in all things, to know, Lord, that we can humble
0: ourselves too, that we can love you and love our brothers and sisters especially. Lord, unite our church, Lord God, with one heart. Help us to battle the the battles, Lord, of, of drawing near to one another, no matter how difficult it may be. And when we are in that battlefield of loving one another, we pray that your spirit, Lord, will show us that it indeed is a divine love that we have.
1: That comes from the Spirit. So we thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen.